true believers and strap in as we journey with Matt Spectro through the multiverse. Excelsior! Not to mention the evil genius and brilliant leadership of myself. Open the sky! Look! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Matt Spectro through the multiverse! joining us for another exciting episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. I am your host, Matt Spectro, lifetime comic fan, lifetime animation fan, lifetime superhero fan, and this is the podcast that is exclusively talking about animation that explodes from the world of comic books. Three rules here. Number one, what I just explained to you. Number two, I always team up with a guest, just like Brave and the Bold, DC Comic Presents, Marvel Team Up. It's always me and a guest talking about comic book animation. And the third rule, we got to have fun. Welcome to episode 12. This is the 4th of July episode. Stars and Stripes Forever, everybody. Happy 4th of July. Thank you for joining us, and we're going to do something very special. We are going to be talking G.I. Joe, a real American hero. But before we get any further, I'm going to introduce this week's guest. He is not only a former Marine sergeant, and a former Army Staff Sergeant, also my brother-in-law, welcome to the multiverse, Jared Meter. Hi, how's it going, Matt? Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem, it's a pleasure. Now, uh, we were talking before we started that uh, you don't even really know what a podcast is. <laughs> I seriously don't. I've uh, For many years, you hear people talking about podcasts, I'm like, well, where do you find these things? And I'm glad you just explained it to me, so now I'm actually probably going to get curious and download a bunch. <laughs> so uh, we're going to be talking uh, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, and I thought... To make it interesting, we're going to take your real-life experience in the military and compare it to the accuracy of G.I. Joe. It's like my whole life. I grew up, that was my favorite cartoon. Everybody called me G.I. Jared as a kid. I would show up at school camouflage. Everybody knew I was going to the military when I got out of high school. And my wife tells me you had the G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Absolutely. I had that thing well into my high school years. I wouldn't get rid of it. It was the best toy in the world. <laughs> I had the G.I. Joe headquarters, but the aircraft carrier that was like the mother load that was like the mona lisa of toys oh yeah sears catalog it was like it came out and it was like here it was a hundred dollars this huge six foot carrier and finding it underneath the ping pong table on christmas day was awesome because that was the only place it would fit in the house <laughs> well so it had to fit the airplanes on there oh yeah oh yeah i had the tomcat i can't remember what they called it back then and then the little cobra looked like the a10 warthog the blue plane i had both of those nice so uh before we get into uh G.I. Joe, a real American hero. I just always like to say, uh, even though my guests and myself talk about it, I'm not an expert necessarily. I don't claim my guests to be an expert. We do some reaches. We just talk about it. So uh, if we're incorrect, feel free to go to my social media and correct us. Before we get into this, why don't you give the guests a little bit of your background in the armed services? I got out of uh, high school in 93, joined the Marine Corps, did boot camp at Paris Island. I was a 2161 machinist. I uh, went in to become a 85, uh, 31 PMI, did rifle and pistol shooting, range coaching, did a tour in Okinawa. And then I got out and after six years and talked my wife into joining the Army National Guard, mainly so we could go to Disney World and stay at the Shades of Green. 
and lo and behold, September 11th happened. And my little one week in a month, two weeks a year turned into, you know, multiple deployments over to Iraq and stuff. So, well, thankfully, uh, you've made it through in one piece. Yeah. You know, people ask me to describe what it was like. And I always say it's like, you know, 99, well, 90% of shenanigans and then 10% of pure terror. Yeah. So we're going to get into, we're going back in time to the multiverse. This is a different than we're going to the eighties, really a different time, especially when you compare it to the climate of today. Oh yes. Very, um, pro America back in the eighties, very rah, rah, testosterone, muscle bound type heroes were really a big thing back then. And Hasbro had done the previous G.I. Joe line. I don't know if you remember this because I'm a little older than you, the uh, the 12-inch G.I. Joe figures. Oh, yeah, the big ones that look like Barbies. That's why I wouldn't play with them. Yeah, and they had the, you could get the different suits, the wetsuit, all that, but they hadn't yep. done it in a while. He-Man and Star Wars had become very profitable toy lines. They wanted Hasbro wanted to cash in on that. Uh, the CEO back then was a Stephen Hassenfield, and uh, they were going to bring back G.I. Joe. I... I, I looked into this, so uh, I was trying to figure out the some of the concepts of how this all got started. Now, I, I don't know if this is true, but Jim Shooter, the former editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics, claims that there was a charity event where the president of Hasbro and the president of Marvel were in uh, urinals side by side, and <laughs> the president of Hasbro said that uh, they were going to try and... Uh, Get back G.I. Joe, do it again, recapture it. And Marvel's president said, hey, I'll introduce you to my editor-in-chief. We'll do something with you. It'll be the best ever. I find this to be (laughs) sounding like an urban legend. (laughs) To me, that sounds like uh, nothing but the truth. I mean, I think that's one place where you can be most honest about anything you say is in the bathroom. (laughs) You know, standing next to another man in the urinal. Well, that's (laughs) that could be. So they decided uh, that... They were in junction with Marvel Comics. We're going to do the comic book and the action figure. Now, uh, basically what happened was uh, they had hired one Larry Hama, who was a comic writer who had combat experience to write the uh, G.I. Joe comic. He um, was working on a Nick Fury S.H.I.E.L.D. series that never happened and evolved into this. And uh, basically Hasbro, uh, they would give him guidelines like you know they'd want to do uh infantry and then they'd want to do a paratrooper and he would basically design a character around that hasbro and marvel productions did this with sunbow production studio and they outsourced to uh, i think it's toya japan but i don't know if i'm saying that right some of the guidelines at the time because of uh they had to adhere to child regulations was you can only advertise for toys so much on children's programming Everyone knows this. If you learn anything about G.I. Joe, Transformers, the 80s, the way to get around it was we'll just make a cartoon, which is a 30-minute commercial. They can't say anything if they do a 30-minute commercial because they can say, oh, it's not a commercial. It's a cartoon. That's what led to Transformers, Thundercats, the He-Man cartoon because the figures came first. So basically, they designed all these so they could just do shows that were 30-minute commercials for their toys, which was led to great success. Uh, they had quite a run, G.I. Joe. They ran from uh, 1983. All the way until, uh, I believe it was uh, 1994. Wow. Quite a run. They had over 500 figures, according to the research I looked into this. I would say it's about right. I I mean, I had a a lot of them. It was like the one thing I'd have a a couple dollars in my pocket. I'd go down to the five and dime and grab like the new G.I. Joe in a box up on the shelf next to the matchboxes and and come home. and, And I had quite a collection. 
It's bizarre because they had to adhere to child regulations. So you're doing a show about the military, but they can't have actually any real firearms. This was on the cartoon, not necessarily the comic book. So all the guns are lasers. They could have exploding buildings and vehicles, but they had to have establishing shots of all the people getting out before they blew them up. So you knew that nobody was dying. Uh, yes, I remember as a kid just laughing at every time and always being bummed. You know, again, nobody ever dies. You know, everybody always makes it. It's like watching an old episode of MacGyver. They couldn't have any casualties, but they could reference off-screen casualties. So if somebody had died previously or something to that effect. In fact, there was an episode, I don't know if you remember, where they went to an alternate universe where Cobra had taken over the world. And they actually discussed some of the Joes that had died during then. Now, the comic first came out in 1982 was the first issue of the comic book. So, And I believe there was 12 members of the original G.I. Joe, which led to the toy line, which then led to the cartoon. It was first a miniseries. Uh, Ron Friedman was the head writer and he had written most of the miniseries. Now, this was also another thing I found interesting. One source told me that Archie Goodwin had created Cobra and Cobra Commander, but Larry Hama had created all the other characters. But yet, Ron Freeman claims that he came up with Cobra and Yo Joe. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of uh, chefs in the pot on this one, and I'm yeah. not sure who's actually uh, is fully responsible. Here's another thing. Jim Shooter claims it was his idea to have the female Joes, but Ron Freeman claims it was his idea. He came up with Lady J and Scarlet, and it was his idea to have the female Joes because uh, he said, quote, a lot of girls were into superheroes and action figures. I might take issue with that claim back in the 80s, but. Yeah, I, I would too. I know my sister had no interest in that stuff. In fact, we were always battling over who's going to get most space in the basement to play with our toys, her Barbie dream house or my you know, aircraft carrier. It is a fact that uh, He-Man did have a strong female audience because that's what led to the creation of the She-Ra line. So there's a lot of things in here that uh, maybe urban legend, maybe different opinions, different people want to take credit. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it became a classic. Everybody wants to say they were in, you know, the inventor of it. Yes, that is true. So, but it was very successful because obviously the show ran for quite some time and they had a, the comic was well over 100 issues and uh, everybody to this day knows who G.I. Joe is. Now, uh, also at the time, um, there wasn't a lot of continuity and whatnot in character development because they kept inventing new characters to sell more toys and they kept having to incorporate them into the cartoon. Yeah, yeah you'd see characters literally at the beginning you know, you'd see him four or six episodes and you might not see him again for a long time until you have like some sort of shot where it's like really far away and there's supposed to be a, a whole bunch of them and you might be able to pick out that character you haven't seen in a while. Because at the beginning, uh, I believe it was either Hawk or Duke. I always get those two confused. I think it was Duke. Duke was the original leader, but then yeah. they came up with Hawk and then down the road, they were like, Duke sort of went to the wayside and Hawk became like the new leader of G.I. Joe. Before we get into the uh, particular episode, how... Uh, with your experience in the military, how accurate would you find G.I. Joe in a hole? Accuracy? Uh, not at all. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I don't think there's even a sliver of accuracy. As a kid, I always thought that would be like, but it was definitely entertaining. You know? yes. Back in the original group, my three favorites were always Snake Eyes, which was everybody's favorite. Yep. Uh, Stalker, who was a ranger, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, Rock and Roll, I loved. I don't know what unit he was, but he had a motorcycle that had a side guard that had a Gatlin gun on it. So, I mean, yep. yeah, I had to love that guy. Yeah, Leatherneck. Loved him because I went in the Marines. Let's see here. Uh, Beachhead. And actually, I did like the original Cobra Commander. You like the mask or the helmet? I like the helmet. I thought the helmet was cool. The mask just kind of looked 
cheesy 80s martial arts ninja movie. And I couldn't stand the way he talked in the cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> of your experience in the military and being a Marine specifically, I decided to do an episode that revolved around Leatherneck. Awesome. This episode is called The Rotten Egg, and the original air date was October 7th, 1986. It was uh, season four, episode 13. It was directed by a Ray Lee and written by a Stephen Mitchell and Barbara Petty. What is uh, Leatherneck? Is that slang for uh, something? Yes. So actually uh, in the Marine Corps, back in the uh, days when they you know rode on cavalry and they had sabers and things like that, Marines would uh, wear a leather collar on their uniform that protects their necks from sword slashes. It would protect the jugular and everything like that. So they got the term leathernecks. And actually, if you look at the Marine Corps dress blue today, it has a hard cardboard collar around the top. That is to symbolize that old leather collar they wore around their necks. Gung-ho. Wasn't he in the Marines as well? Yes, he was. Yep. But he didn't wear a shirt. I just remember. No, no. No, yeah. You know, those Marine muscles that we all lost when we got out. All right. All right. Normally... I get into the voices and the creations of all the characters, but uh, there's a lot of characters that only show up and have one line of dialogue. So really, Leatherneck is all it's going to be. He was created by Larry Hama. Chuck McCann did his voice. He was a very famous voice actor. A few things he had done was uh, he was on DuckTales, Tailspin, Powerpuff Girls. He was uh, Blizzard on the Iron Man cartoon. And uh, he is the focus of this episode, which is called The Rotten Egg. And like I said, it was G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, October 7th, 1986. We're going to watch it now. Don't go away. We'll be right back to give you our thoughts. Stay with us. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. I got it! Wow! Here it is, the USS Flag aircraft carrier. Imagine being on the deck of this aircraft carrier. USS Flag Aircraft Carrier comes with what you see here. Other figures and equipment sold separately. G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, fighting man from head to toe. On the land, on the sea, in the air. G.I. Joe, attack! Boom, boom! G.I. Joe, take bail! Bam, bam! Terrific battle! Terrific equipment to have a battle with. When you get G.I. Joe and the authentic G.I. Joe equipment, you'll have the greatest realism, the greatest fun you ever had in playing soldier. Box after box of authentic uniforms and equipment so you can change your G.I. Joe soldier into a camouflage marine ready for battle. A Navy frogman with complete scuba suit and inflatable life raft. An Air Force pilot with high altitude helmet and air vest. Get G.I. Joe and get G.I. Joe equipment so you can set up exciting battle action whenever you want. Remember, only G.I. Joe is G.I. Joe. Meanwhile, at the Podcast of Justice. Yo, Joe! We'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe G.I. Joe is there. And we're back. We just watched G.I. Joe, a real American hero, The Rotten Egg. Now, for you, you had mentioned this when we were watching it, and me as well. It's been quite a long time since I actually watched 
a G.I. Joe cartoon. Oh, it's been at least 20 years. At least. I think as well, because I don't, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't seem to be rerun as much on Cartoon Network or anything like that. So it was actually a good time. So it starts with the classic intro, uh, but they, they seem to have put some of the newer characters, like Sergeant Slaughter's in the intro. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sergeant Slaughter. They did the voiceover explaining uh, G.I. Joe as the uh, elite fighting unit that defends freedom of all humanity from the Cobra terrorist organization. Now, Jackson Beck was the narrator, and he was actually most famous for voicing Bluto on the old Popeye cartoon. <laughs> so, right off the bat, you see a bunch of uh, planes shooting and uh, destroying a Cobra lab. Um, and uh, I think it's Slipstream who says, uh, see a lot of snakes on the run as they try and escape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the old 80s quick one-liner you know, comedy things I think maybe giggle when I was that age. And now I'm like, ah, cheesy line. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're fighting, a bunch of them uh, start uh, falling into the uh, water. And Leatherneck says, uh, look at all those belly flops. <laughs> and uh, first it's a gunfight. But then for some reason, they stop fight- shooting their guns and start actually a fist fight. Obviously, hand-to-hand combat is, you know, every Marine's dream. Yeah. <laughs> know. <laughs> Which I don't understand what that, that would ever happen. Here's another thing I don't understand about G.I. Joe. Maybe... It's every military unit, every division of the military, all working as one. Has that ever happened in the history of our of our military? Yeah and no. Uh, I mean, it's amazing. Like with this with this current war, that all the branches of services actually, you know, you go out and do missions. I I was uh, what was called a, an LTAT, logistical training advisory team, and I was with the National Guard when I went over to Iraq, and we actually were assigned to the First Special Forces Group up in Mosul. You know, we worked with them and then we went down to Baghdad and we were the 10th Special Forces Group. We then worked with some of the Navy SEALs were actually on base. They had Rangers coming in and out and that was just to train Iraqi special warfare operators. Uh, So, yeah, we actually they do, you know, kind of mix together Um, as far as having an elite branch of service. I never actually operated at that level, but you always hear like, you know, in Delta and things like that. You hear stories about like, oh, this guy came from this branch, that branch. How true do I know? I don't know. I was never part of that sexy side of the military. All right. So they're getting, they're getting some uh, realistic things, but uh, you didn't ever stop shooting your guns and start going in. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, it's funny. You actually watch you do and you realize not one of them can really shoot because nobody ever got shot. <laughs> and when the boat blows up, you do actually see the Cobra guys jump off. They the boat all the jump off. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a great reference where uh, I can't remember which Joe it is, makes a comment to uh, Leatherneck about maybe he needs to use his hands and toes to... Uh, do the counting. Oh, yes. <laughs> was it Beachhead? No, it wasn't Beachhead. It beachhead. Uh, no, it was uh, um, the scuba diver. Guy. Yeah, what was his name? No, gonna... Yeah, they didn't even say his name, but it's been so long. But yeah, it's not targets. I guess it's uh, those were the original jokes. Uh, now it's all Marines do is sign everything with a red crayon, and then we eat it after we're done. <laughs> and um, Leatherneck says, maybe I can count them with your teeth, fish brain. <laughs> <laughs> Leatherneck gets an, uh, a letter from the CEC uh, Military Academy. They want him to be the uh, guest of honor at the graduation. On the way, he's going to also go to Paris Island where he graduated. Uh, I guess these two bases are near each other. Is CEC even a real thing? That I, I Not that I've ever heard of. And I actually kind of find it amazing that there was a terrorist military academy, you know, uh, right in South Carolina that, uh, you know, nobody ever thought to look into and, you know, even said Cobra on the armband. So and as he's uh, driving to Paris Island, he actually sings a little bit of the Marine song. 
Yep. A very little bit. It's actually kind of funny because like he does the old, the famous, you know, from the halls of Montezuma and then turns into <laughs> they apparently didn't have a lot to go on or maybe they couldn't afford yeah. the price of the song. <laughs> it's amazing. So he, he, get, he arrives. This I also liked. Um, the sign just said Military Academy. Yep, that's it. I mean, Her name? No, no. Nope. <laughs> military. Acme Military Academy. <laughs> and there's a male and a female cadet that greet him. So we were PC back then too. The uniform's... They're very bizarre. They're very just blue. They don't really look like anything from... They don't even look like dress blues. I don't even know what you would call what they were wearing, but they didn't look like standard issue military to me. They look like they were wearing like Dickie's work clothes. You know, the plain blue slacks and, and shirt. And then the commandant there, he comes out and he's wearing like the Nazi SS uniform. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's when McCann shows yeah. up. Buck McCann. Yeah, Buck, that's right. Leatherneck recognizes immediately. He says, uh, I'm going to haul your ugly face into the street, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they have a big fist fight. And uh, he had said McCann is an escaped criminal. But then you find out everybody at this military academy is part of Cobra. Cobra is actually a military academy for Cobra troops. Good old state-sponsored terrorism at its best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, they all uh, have him surrounded. And then we cut to uh, Beachhead. He's uh, training some cadets because he's going to make them the honor guard for the Paris Island graduation. So then you go back to... He is uh, held captive by the Cobra elites. And I think that's actually what's on the patch on their arm is the Cobra. No, he's looking at a, a poster. That's what it is. Yep. It's like an old propaganda recruitment poster, and it says the Cobra elites. And he has a flashback where Leatherneck was apparently McCann's uh, drill sergeant. He even says, uh, <laughs> you don't smile, and I tell you to smile. Now, did your drill sergeant ever once tell you to smile? <laughs> I was never told to smile. I think I would have had the, the smile slapped off my face. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you see that McCann is like a top student. He uh, he gets a better uh, score in the rifle range than Leatherneck did. He also uh, is going to break his record. At, I think it was at the, the obstacle course, I believe. Yeah, he was doing the obstacle course. He was breaking everything hand-to-hand combat. He was broke that guy's arm. They both say he's uh, the finest physical Marine they've ever seen. Yep. But you find out he's got a bad attitude. He's a bully. Like he said, yep. He gets in that fight and he uh, breaks the other guy's arm and laughs. Yep. And they're like, you like hurting people. That does not sit well with Leatherneck. He gets in his face. He's like, you're doing 50 laps around the parade route. Now I got to ask. <laughs> Maybe it's changed now, but did they really dislike bullies in the Marines? Uh, actually, you know what? I would say uh, most Marines that I went with, and this sounds like strange, but like truly it's like, I think we all went in there and said, yeah, we disliked bullies. You know, some can become the bully. You know, some find their strengths in there. But uh, I know since I've got some, one thing I can't stand is bullies to this day. It's like, you know, fight for the weaker person. Would the drill sergeant uh, like a bully? Actually, I don't think they would either. Yeah, I think they like the team. They're looking for leaders beyond anything else. Those are the guys who become the squad leaders and the guide of the, of the platoon. And leaders aren't bullies. You know, leaders inspire. So uh, they show uh, he goes into Leatherneck's office. He says he didn't give him permission to speak, and he says that was a mean trick that he pulled, breaking that guy's arm. So mean. And he just lost his OCS recommendation. Yeah, that's another one of those not so, you don't get OCS recommendations right out of boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really an option. <laughs> so even if he hadn't broken his arm, he wouldn't have gotten it. Yeah, yeah that, that wasn't happening. <laughs> 
he doesn't imply that he's kicked out of the Marines or anything. He just isn't getting the recommendation, but they cut to him and a couple of guys looks like they're selling rocket launchers. So he's just turning to evil now because he's not getting his OCS recommendation. Yeah, he didn't get his OCS Hey, why not? Let's become a terrorist. Hey, I didn't get my OCS recommendation. You know, how dare they? Hey, let's go steal a couple of rockets, get some grenades, rifles, whatever we need to do, and go get two guys off the street, you know, and civilian clothes who would have never had noticed walking around on base. The other neck shows up and they get into a fight. Yep. But McCann does get the better hand of him, knocks him out with a club and escapes. So then we go to the present and he's surrounded by McCain's troops and he says, uh, instead of the guest of honor, he's going to make him the target of honor. Yes. And he laughs. He does a lot, a lot of laughing. Oh, yes. And then yeah, and they gave him, what, five minutes to run away? Yeah, he takes the handcuffs off, and I'm going to give you five minutes to get away. He does leave, and he says he'll be back. But then uh, they say, go get him. And, and the guy who seems to have second thoughts about Cobra says, you didn't even give him five minutes. Well, no, in military life, that is probably about five minutes. I can remember when they told you you had 60 seconds to get dressed. It was 60, 59, 40, 38, 21, 10, 2, 1, you're done. You're like, well, okay, that was 60 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> military time. They all go to chase uh, Leatherneck, and uh, you see that he's hiding in a tree. And uh, the female and the male cadet are discussing how this doesn't, the male doesn't think this right, that Leatherneck deserves respect. You can see the cracks are forming. He's not all in on Cobra, I don't think. They uh, switch over to G.I. Joe headquarters, and they uh, they make a note that Leatherneck is not called in. So they're getting a little uh, nervous. I don't know why we call them from a graduation ceremony, but I guess that's... Uh, I guess everybody would judge. If you're part of an elite fighting unit that fights for the freedom of humanity, they probably want you to check in at all times. Yeah, you know, and uh, it would be highly unusual for Marine to be AWOL, so... At first, Leatherneck, he's... Uh, He's punching a few people. He's taking out a few individually, but then he's going to take on like five at a time. They all shoot at him and miss. Yeah, I was always confused because every time I'm like, a good Marine would have picked up the first gun he found after he knocked a dude out, and now he's armed, but instead he would just keep beating them up and leaving the guns, and then beating them. he finally decides to pick one up at the end, and then which they shoot it and make it inoperable anyways. Yeah, and they all miss until they finally actually hit yeah, the gun. The, yeah, then they snipe the gun like it's you wouldn't believe. He takes out all them, but then you see the... The evil female cadet, they're on a hill and they shoot the gun out of his hand. And uh, she says, <laughs> the best line of the episode. The best line. You missed, you blind penny waste. Penny waste. <laughs> I could not believe they even said penny waste back then. <laughs> I kept thinking maybe she said pansy waste. Yeah, no, I no. couldn't believe she would say penny waste. Penny waste. That's what she said. Yep. <laughs> So they chase him down, track him to a river, and they're like, uh, he couldn't have gone in the river. Uh, there's just no way. And then he's like, you're right. I, even I wouldn't do that. He comes from behind, starts kicking butt, knocks her into the water, and she's screaming for help because he's a rapids. And Leatherneck, he does dive in. He saves her. But she says, I would have let you drown if the circumstances had been different. Evil girl, bully. Really, uh... She's like the opposite of this guy. She's all in on Cobra. This, uh, she's, she means business. Oh, yeah. She, blind faith. McCann shows up again. And right when Leatherneck and him are going to go at it, the girl knocks him out from behind, blindsides him, and takes out Leatherneck. He then wakes up in a lab looking out where all the cadets are lined up, and Serpentor shows up. I was a little disappointed because Serpentor is pretty damn cool, and he shows up, but then he doesn't actually do anything he just says they look tough but are they tough yep and she says the ones that aren't tough enough aren't here anymore 
So I'm assuming it implies they're dead. Well, well no, this is G.I. Joe. Nobody dies. No. <laughs> they all washed out. <laughs> and then we go to McCann with another flashback. And this one is going back to uh, tell another neck how he's sentimental about Paris Island because, and I quote, there he became a Marine and a man. Did you say you became a man at Paris Island? Uh, no, when I left there, I think I was still kind of a kid. Uh, I think it was when I was in there, they started changing the thing where they don't make men. They show boys how to become men. We're 18. Yeah, I was 18 and, uh, it was really my first time away from home for any extended period of time. It was almost a blur. It was almost fun, but yeah, they, they, I mean, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was a man yet, but I, I would say that they definitely put me on the right track. So slightly off the subject, but it's on the subject of Paris Island. Children of the 80s, all of our first exposure to Paris Island was Full Metal Jacket. Seeing that movie, that didn't dissuade you from joining the Marines? I actually watched that movie the night before I left for boot camp. All my friends, we, we had a house and, you know, we're, we're drinking beers and saying goodbye. And that movie goes on. And I think, in fact, that movie drove more people to the Marine Corps. You know, it, it, it's twisted. and it's, I think every Marine watches the first part of that movie. Once it gets to Vietnam, we don't care anymore. But that first part of the movie was just the best. So uh, because of his sentimental attachment to Paris Island, McCann is going to blow it up. Pretty uh, big deal to Leatherneck. I'm yep. not sure much, much of a blow for Cobra that's going to be, but uh, but maybe because they're training you. They it's it's symbolic victory. Symbolic victory, that's all. So uh, <laughs> you see that they're disguising as band members and loading onto a bus because they're going to sneak onto Paris Island that way. They <laughs> This is such a moment from like TV shows and movies. Uh, they leave Leatherneck behind and he tells the guards, you don't let him escape or I'm going to make mincemeat out of you. Yep. Sure enough, not even 10 <laughs> seconds later. Smash. Even the guy caught already? <laughs> He's already escaped. They go out. They see the glass is broken, but they don't understand that because the bars are still there. And all of a sudden, Leatherneck is hanging from the light, jumps down and takes them both out. Yeah, because nobody ever thinks to look up at all or doesn't. I mean, it must have been like a 40-foot ceiling that they didn't see him way up there. But McCann, he's two steps ahead. He expected Leatherneck to escape. Oh, yes. He's a genius. So they're going to stick the dogs on him. Yes, Even the 1980s Doberman Pinchers. Like, <laughs> every time you had a, a mean dog in the 80s, it was Doberman Pinchers. <laughs> and uh, if the dogs don't get him, he's letting loose the story of an escaped lunatic. That always works. <laughs> Which I find a little bizarre, but I guess you just call... The authorities and say, hey, um, it'll sound like the guys heard it on the radio because he's like, everybody heard it. So over the radio, they broadcast it, escape lunatic. And the guy actually, you know, yeah, sure, I'll give you a ride after I find a payphone. So he gets into the truck like you alluded to because he fights off the dogs. And the guy even says, what are you, some kind of weirdo? Because <laughs> <laughs> take in mind, he's wearing like a hospital gown jumping into the. Thing. He was wearing half of a hospital gown. I mean, it was like literally like, you know, a mini skirt height. <laughs> he says, I'm a member of G.I. Joe. And the truck driver says, yeah, right. And I'm one of the Oak Ridge boys. <laughs> what a reference. <laughs> now, if uh, you're under the age of uh, 30 listening to this, you probably have no idea who the Oak Ridge boys even are. God, I can vaguely remember. They sang Elvira. That's the only song They're I like, can remember. Yeah, that's it. Like nothing. <laughs> but what a reference. But he uh, he's got a wrench and he's going to. Bash him in the head if he tries anything funny. And he's going to take him, like you said, to uh, a, uh, phone a phone. Booth. A phone. That's right, because no pay phones back then. Yeah. 
Then you switch back to G.I. Joe headquarters, and they're still concerned that Leatherneck has not called in. Yeah, but now they got to go. They actually got to make the ceremony at that point. Yeah, they got to go there, so they're going to meet him. So then out of nowhere, the Dreadnoughts show up. This was Cobra's biker gang that worked for Zartan. Now, I was also confused if they just coincidentally showed up next to him, both heading to Paris Island, or they knew he was in there and they were trying to catch him. I think it was coincidental, but then when like you go ahead in a few minutes, they show up at Paris Island. If you notice during the yeah, they showed up during the they big sh- fight. During Island. the big fight, and they were actually swinging on everybody. Yeah. It was like ah, cool, Cobra, GI Joe, Marine. Let's just hit them all, you know. He jumps out of the car right onto the motorcycle. <laughs> right onto it. And they get into a fight, and he actually knocks him off. Off the bike, and it doesn't even dump the bike. It doesn't dump the bike, but it wipes out the rest of the, the All of them. <laughs> so then he's going to drive there, and then there's a sign that says it's 50 miles away. Paris Island. The next shot is the uh, the planes land on Paris Island. And uh, you had made a comment about the scenery uh, when they arrived. Oh, yeah, the beautiful mountain background. It looked like the Colorado Rockies instead of like a South Carolina swamp that it really is. <laughs> and then the plane reference. But I do have to say there is actually airfields on there Paris are, Island. There, there, are there are old airfields out in the back. That's where we actually did all of our basic warrior training. And it's nothing but a bunch of obstacle courses now. But, yes, there's definitely old airfields back there. But uh, you wouldn't. Wouldn't be able to see any mountains if you were. Yeah, no mountains. Nope. Maybe a lot of swamp trees and. But they also uh, had palm trees outside of the the main gate. Yeah, every mountain has palm trees. <laughs> so I gotta ask: Are there palm trees at Paris Island? Actually, I think there were. I didn't get much time to sit around and enjoy the scenery. Usually, your eyes are locked to the front, and if they get looking anywhere else, you know, why are you eyeballing me? <laughs> so the guards uh, check the bus with all the band playing, and McCann uses uh, knockout gas to take out the guards. Oh, yeah. Knockout gas. The Joes are at the graduation. Beachhead is there. Roadblock. A couple others. Now, they're all in their G.I. Joe fatigues. I'm not sure if that would be like the normal protocol. To, I mean, they're not really Marines. Um, yeah, they're all different. Bra- I, I guess that is their uniform, you know? <laughs> and uh, Beachhead, kind of, a, kind of a prick. He's like, hey, act like professional soldiers, even if you aren't. Yeah. This is a guy wearing a ski mask. <laughs> <laughs> so then... Uh, the band, uh, they get in front of the the parade booth. The parade booth, and they're like, "What's the band doing here? This is a, this is a military graduation." And all of a sudden, uh, they whip out their guns, and uh, they're going to take the. Uh, I don't know, I'm probably going to say this wrong. The the commandant. Yep, the commandant. They're going to take him hostage. Yeah, yeah, I was I was trying to give you because you only had a three star. Our commandant's a, a four star. And that one was a three-star general, so I wasn't sure what their reference to, like, the, maybe they're trying to say, like, Military Academy Commandant, even though it's boot camp. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, our Commandant has four stars. Those little things that just annoy me. So a fight breaks out, but um, they've got them surrounded with guns, and they say that they're going to blow up if they don't watch it. And they said if they want the Commandant back, Serpentor is going to give you the amount. So now this has turned into a bizarre kidnapping slash blow up Paris Island plot. <laughs> okay, typical terrorism, you know. Which... It's over the years, Cobra has been a little all over the map with uh, the plants. But then the Cobra guy saves Leatherneck. He's had enough. He, he can't take it anymore. He's not going to be a guy who's uh, he's got some integrity. The standard G.I. Joe at the end of the show. Somebody makes the right decision. Right decision. Always got to, you know, face with adversity and decides to finally come around and make that right choice in life. And then, boom, the dreadnoughts show up. Everyone's shooting guns. Big fist fight. Everything's going crazy. 
Yeah, dreadnoughts are hitting everybody. everybody. It's like a mosh pit for them. <laughs> McCain takes off. Leatherneck chases him. Uh, he's trying to get into a plane, but he catches up with him, and a fist fight breaks out. This is my favorite part. Very uh, Lethal Weapon 1, where they just form a circle around him. Beachhead says that this is fighting. Them <laughs> and Cobra agree to let these two just get Yeah, because it's personally said. This is personal. You got to let them do it. Yeah. You know, at this point, they're gonna, they have a plan to hold the Commandant ransom for money. And blow up Paris Island, but they're all going to sit and watch them get into a fight. Yep. (laughs) They get into it, goes back and forth, but Leatherneck wins and says in a really stupid line, you made one mistake. I may be older, but I'm better. Yeah. That kind of is a line that most Marines, you know, like my son now is 18 years old, you know, and he's getting bigger and he's getting stronger. And I always tell him I'll always be tougher, though. Yeah, so I might be getting older, but I'll always be tougher. So I guess the implied mistake is that uh, he thought he was better, even though he's not. Age, age has its wisdoms. You know, I guess, uh, you know, yeah, you could always be stronger and, and more physically fit than the older guy. But the older guy's got the experience and the and the willingness, you know, we're going to win the fight. I always joke. It's like, you know, I'll bite you. I'll scratch you. I'll poke your eye out. You know, I'll tickle your taint, whatever I need to do to win this fight. I forgot to mention, during this fight, the whole time, the female Cobra girl is, like, cheering for McCann, like, full on, like, screaming. She was nothing but mouth. <laughs> In fact, she even slaps Leatherneck after the fight's over. <laughs> As uh, Beach has driving away, she's like, Cobra is elite. Cobra will be victorious. Yeah, yeah. She was indoctrinated, that one. And at that point, the male cadet, he rips off his Cobra patch and he throws it on the ground. On his way to jail. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> he didn't get a break for that one and leatherneck says something to the effect of we're gonna focus on the ones we can still help yep implies they're gonna reform this guy bring him back from the dark side and that is how we ended gi joe a real american hero the rotten egg now i was kind of upset because they did not we watched this on amazon prime and they did not have the psa I was really looking forward to watching the PSA, the public service announcement at the end. Thieves to have. Oh yeah, uh, you know, the knowing, uh, now no, you know, no, like, yeah, knowing, knowing is half, half the, the battle. battle. Yep. yep, that's right. I was a little upset they didn't have that because uh, that no was, Joe. Also, you younger viewers won't know back seventies and eighties, especially cartoons always had a uh, a message. Sometimes it was just to eat right. Sometimes it wasn't to do drugs. Sometimes it was uh, making good decisions about bullies or. Or helping friends, or some of them I remember there was like, you know, helping little ladies across the walkway or carrying groceries. It was always something little. And my favorite, and uh, I talked about this earlier with you uh, before we started recording, is there's one classic G.I. Joe one where there's a power line down and it's active electricity, and the kids are like, hey, let's jump our bikes over it. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact they needed a member of G.I. Joe to say, hey, you probably don't want to jump over a live electrical wire with your bike. <laughs> yeah how dumb were we in the 80s that, that, that was actually a thing you know we all survived though we even drank our water out of a hose imagine that so there you have it i know that wasn't uh the typical you know all in of all of the different gi joes we did gi joe and didn't even talk about snake eyes which i'm sure some of you are very angry about right now but since my esteemed guest did go to paris island i came across this and i thought it'd be the perfect episode to discuss what do you think now going uh memories going back watching this again 
it's just fun because I just remember being a kid and, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. And I was just explaining to my daughter earlier tonight how, you know, you had about an hour and a half of cartoons after school a day and that was it. And then the news would come on and then whatever your nighttime shows were and looking on the TV guide, planning out your weekly uh, events, you know, what shows you're going to watch and when. And then Saturday mornings, getting up and watching like Gummy Bears and Anna-Barbera and all that stuff until noontime. And then the cartoons were off and it was outside and play and how different it was. And she was even like looking at the artwork in a very strange like this is like, you know, definitely not like the new Disney and Pixar kind of artwork for cartoons. Hold that thought. We're going to we're going to touch on that again. Earlier in the episode, I had mentioned uh, probably my three, well, my three favorites of the original group. I mean, still Snake Eyes is my favorite, probably everybody's. Did you have a favorite member of G.I. Joe? Leatherneck was because when I was a kid, you know, like I said before, being G.I. Jared, you know, always going to be a Marine. My dad was a Marine. I was going to be a Marine. My uncles were Marines. You know, it was just, it was destined when I was to do so. Yeah, I always had the Leatherneck when I was a kid. Did you like him better than Gun-Ho? Gun ho, just just too much beach muscles, too many beach Gun-ho, muscles. I always made me think of the village people. <laughs> I, I don't mean I'm not knocking Marines, but like he had like the hat and he had like no shirt but the sleeveless vest and yeah, just- <laughs> yeah. You know the Marines are a department of the Navy, you know. So, but we're the men's department. <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point, what we do on every episode, we jump to the spectral meter where we rank what we saw. A scale of zero to four, four being absolute perfection, zero being complete dog shit. How would you rank G.I. Joe, a real American hero, the rotten egg? I'm sorry, man. It's a four. I mean, it's G.I. Joe. It's 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 a classic boys cartoon from when we were kids. And today, even though it was all nobody died back then in those shows, I think today would still be deemed too violent for today's youth and corrupting their brains. But, you know, hey, we can play all the Fortnite we want. This is pretty exciting because I think... Uh if my memory serves, it's the first time in the history of my show, anything's gotten... Uh, I love four. it. No, wait a minute. I think there might have been a previous episode, but hey, four is pretty high ranking, so... Uh, I mean, I G.I. Joe, that was like, I lived for that. When that cartoon came out, I watched it religiously. That and uh, Thundercats, that was my other, you know, Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats ho. But I mean, it was G.I. Joe and Thundercats, and that's what I watched. Um, I'm going to rank it... I- I'm going to go with a... Uh, I'm going to go with a three. Great. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Animation's a little clunky, but it's kind of the time. Uh, there's a few mistakes I could, I didn't get into, but some of the animation, which sometimes you could tell the animation was rushed because colors don't match or the uniforms look different from shot to You're shot. You're talking about the Commandant's uniform going from blue to gray and literally like he like switched color immediately. Yeah, plus at one point the girl's hair wasn't blonde anymore. It was more of a brunette. Yeah. And but skin tone didn't match her hands and face at one point. But that's what I think makes that high perfection of like just classic time period cartoons. You know, it was, it was honestly, I think they concentrated more on the message in those things than anything else. Yeah. The, it was more about the selling toys and the message. And uh, yep. the only reason also I rank it a three is, uh, and this is probably my fault for picking the episode. There wasn't as much of GI Joe and especially Cobra on this episode. Yep. As I would like, there was no Destro, no storm shadow, no uh, Cobra commander. Yep. You had Roadblock, you had Beachhead, you had uh, Slipstream, Wild Bill, and uh, Leatherneck, but uh, no Snake Eyes, no Stalker, no uh, Rock and Roll, those were always my favorites. Yep. Everybody but Quick Kick. I hate Quick Kick, he sucks. <laughs> and we touched upon this also. Uh, every episode, we always ask, if a child in 2021 stumbled across G.I. Joe, a real American hero, what do you think they would uh, have to say about it? I think they would hate it. 
like, like I said, my daughter literally turned her head sideways. Like, what is this cheap art thing that you're watching? You know, I think um, somebody would like some of the more action packed. Not maybe this particular episode, but there's some episodes that have a lot more action. I think some of them would get into it. Uh, some of it would, like you said, the artwork, they probably uh, wouldn't do it for you. And now with the world we live in where uh, superheroes are such a part of our pop culture, I think they might not get into like regular guys who are just in the military. Yeah, I mean, like, what do you mean? They these guys, they're in the military. They don't actually, they can't stick out their hand and make things levitate or shoot lasers. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah definitely. They, they would be out of there. They wouldn't even understand it. With a lot of the, uh, I'm not going to get too political, but with a lot of the way war and combat is perceived in this year, I think some, they might be off-put by the pro-military aspect of not too many little kids. Depending, I guess, if your parent, who your parents were and how much you're being, uh, your environment a little bit, you know. Some kids wouldn't even think twice about it. Some might not. Maybe I'm thinking kids that are more in their uh, in their teen years, more the rebellious teens probably might have that. No little kid, I think, is going to have that effect, but. Yeah, I don't think it ever made anybody want to join the military or promote war. There's, again, G.I. Joe just always had that good, you know, now you know. Yeah. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there you have it. What did you think out there of G.I. Joe, a really American hero, the rotten egg? Uh, If you liked it better than we did, which you couldn't like it any more than Jared. It's a four. If you disliked it more than we did, it's G.I. Joe, period, four, done. (laughs) Um, But I do want to hear from you if uh, you can go to my. uh, Social media on Twitter, I'm at Matt Spectro, and uh, my Facebook page, Matt Spectro, through the multiverse. Give me your opinion uh, if you liked it. If you didn't like it, that's okay. We want to hear. We always are interested in debates. Uh, also, uh, give me your opinions on uh, other episodes you might like to hear, other guests, other topics, whatever the case may be. Like I said, I like debate. I like listening to opinions, so definitely give us a listen. I shouldn't say give us a listen. <laughs> give me a comment. <laughs> Go to my Facebook page and like me. Follow me on Twitter. Appreciate it. If you could smash that subscribe button and recommend this show to any of your friends, I really appreciate it. Share it and give it a listen. You have any uh, final Fourth uh, of July messages for our fans out there? Uh, just uh, remember, be careful when you're playing with those fireworks. They can blow off fingers. Now you know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! Exactly. So everyone, you have a great Fourth of July. Thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Matt Spectro Through the Multiverse. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Yo, Joe.